The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. This is the Sample Chapter Podcast, episode 119, with special guest author, Anne Charles. Oh my gosh, it's a fantastic interview, and I'm going to have some more information about that coming up. Uh, So stay tuned for that here in just a moment. I'm going to get on over to there. Hey, meanwhile, I would like to start things off with a special shout out to YouTube listener, Victor Aquista. (laughs) I'm sorry if I messed that up, Victor. But Victor left us a very nice, uh, some very kind comments over our show from last week with Gary Morgenstein. He he really enjoyed the show, and I really appreciate his kind words that he said, and that uh, and I appreciate that you're listening, Victor. Thank you so much. Hopefully you uh, hopefully you went and picked up Gary's book, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And I, I think you will. Hey, don't forget, if you would like a shout-out on a future episode, then make sure to leave me a comment on either social media at Facebook or Twitter. You can find us there at Sample Chapter Podcast. Or you can go to the YouTube channel like Victor did, and uh, you can comment on one of your favorite episodes in there. Of course, for as much as I love the shout-outs, what I really, really enjoy, uh, what I really hope for, is when you find an episode... Uh, therefore, an author and a book that you really enjoy, something you really want to share with others, that's what I want you to do. I want you to share it. I want you to copy that link, share it on social media with your friends, saying something like, you know, hey, check out this new book I heard about on the Sample Chapter podcast. Make sure to tag the show with your comment, and I will give you a very special shout out on an upcoming episode to make sure that uh, you know that I am listening, I am watching. But you got to tag me because sometimes I don't see what uh, people are saying and and doing. If you're not a social media person, but you have a comment or perhaps an author recommendation for the show, then reach out to me at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com and I'll get back with you. Which, (laughs) I am getting better about that. I I used to be really on top of my emails and then throughout this uh, COVID thing, I've really slipped a lot. I actually went, oh my gosh, like a month. Uh, where I didn't respond at all, I think, to any of the new emails I'd received to people. And I know that sounds horrible, but I was trying to focus on my current interviews, the the people I had already taken care of, and those that uh, I was getting episodes up for. So all the other emails I was getting in, I was just kind of putting aside. But last week, I was able to make some time, and I caught up with all the emails. I went back through and responded to all of them. So if you sent me an email any time in the last month, then I have responded. So speaking of last week, I ended up with Tuesday, uh, the day of Gary Morgenstein's episode. I had that day off, uh, which what's funny about that is even though I had the day off, the episode didn't come up until, didn't go out until later on that day. I had some other things planned for the day and those fell through, which I was really excited about because I thought, oh man, I'm going to get a whole bunch of stuff done today. But uh, of course, you know, the universe likes to keep me busy. (laughs) <laughs> and uh when I woke up that morning and I opened up my opened up my programs to finish Gary's episode cuz I only had a little bit of things to do um everything was gone <laughs> I mean everything 
So I still had the master file from my interview with Gary, but I had to go back and completely edit the entire interview. Uh, Gary's fantastic reading, which fortunately he does a great reading, so it was a very quick edit. And then I had to go back through and, and re-record my intro, you know, like I'm doing right now. And the post-show, I had to do everything all over again, which is why that episode didn't come up until I think it was around noon or a little after. Um, but fortunately, because I had the day off, it worked out. I had uh, I got a lot of things done that day. I did get some editing done on my new book. I got uh, some other interviews done, and uh, I, I'm pretty excited about uh, how that day went. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I can't wait to share more with you. Um, speaking of sharing, I do want to let you know that this coming Saturday, May 30th, I will be featured on the show Authors in Chains podcast. Uh, it's gonna be oh my goodness, I gotta verify the time, but. For this purposes, what I can do is I can tell you that it's going to be around 7, 8 o'clock p.m. And it'll be on Facebook Live. So make sure you're following the show on Facebook or Twitter. Um, or stay tuned later in this week. I should be having an, a bonus episode coming up with one of those authors from the show. I'm just waiting on a little bit of information back from them right now. Yeah, follow us online, Facebook or Twitter, and I'm going to be sharing like crazy that uh, that, that episode is coming up. Uh, we're going to be talking about putting ourselves into our writing, you know, writing from real life, that kind of stuff. And uh, it's going to be a fun show. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be on Facebook Live, so you can watch it live. You can make a comment and ask a question during the event, and then the episode itself will come up later on a uh, podcast form. So check that out and make sure you're following both shows so that uh, you can find out when that will air. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let me go ahead first and thank our sponsors and podcast networks, starting with our longtime original sponsor, U-Storeall. U-Storeall is the number one self-storage facility in the Warrensburg area with two facilities, both of them fenced in, 24-hour video surveillance on more than 60 cameras, and climate control available at both locations. You can't ask for a safer place to store your goods. Hey, check them out online for more information at ustoreall.net. That is the letter U-S-T-O-R-A-L-L dot net. And then, of course, like I do every week, I want to recommend my favorite writing software, Scrivener. Uh, it's been so much fun to get back into my Scrivener here lately. Oh my gosh. I mean, you know, throughout this whole thing, I've been telling you how busy I am. So I'm only getting into Scrivener sometimes once in a week. Uh, but this past week, I've, able, I've been able to open up Scrivener, uh, I think, four times. And uh, so far this Memorial Day weekend, I've been in there a couple of times already. I got in there this morning and did some writing. So it's wonderful. And the nice thing is you can have it back up to a cloud drive so that you can access your work anywhere. Hey, check out this advertisement for Scrivener and be sure to listen for that coupon code so that you can learn how to save 20% on the regular desktop version. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. 
And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener writing software, built by writers for writers. Uh, once again, thank you so much, Scrivener, for being a wonderful and lovely sponsor of the show. Hey, uh, let me jump on over now to my friends at Pop Goes the Culture Network. That network, uh, you can find them at popgoestheculture.com with, oh gosh, I got about, they got about half a dozen other shows within the network. Uh, everything pop culture and you know geek <laughs> culture related is all available for you there. Their flagship show, Pop Goes the Culture Podcast, is a weekly show that's been having a lot of fun. Uh, they've really found their groove here lately with uh, live shows online. They do some cast shows, uh, which means that they are like watching a movie live with people. So yeah, it's really, really cool stuff. And uh, I'm hoping to get some time to jump in on a couple of those myself. So make sure you click the link in the show notes to find and follow them and see what all they have going on. And finally, I want to thank our other network, Project Entertainment Network. With more than 30 shows in the network, there's a good number of them. I think almost half are author-related, which is very exciting for me and my show, being a part of that. But uh, there's also a lot of really great, you know, very interesting shows on there too, uh, like uh, Your New Opinion, which is a comedy debate show. There's the Monster Attack, where they watch old monster movies and give the reviews on it. And I mean, not just a review, but I mean, they go in depth about this actor was like, you know, did this and that happened. Here's this actress who you would know from this and incredible in-depth interviews. You know, those shows and more are available waiting for you at Project Entertainment Network. Hey, listen to this ad for one of those shows. You don't have to find an interdimensional saloon to have a pint of alien beer with me, Chrissy Garrison. Just tune into my Alien Beer podcast each Thursday, and I'll share my speculative fiction stories with you. And every other week, I'll be serving up a new installment in my science fiction serial, The Multiverse Blues. Meanwhile, catch up with me at sillyhatbooks.com slash podcast. See you there. All right. So, as I said at the top of the show, our guest this week is Anne Charles. And let me tell you, this is an in-depth interview. One of the most in-depth ones I've had. We cover all kinds of uh, subjects throughout. Just kind of dabble in this and that and touch on several subjects. And uh, I'm actually really proud of this one. This just turned out extremely well. Anne gives us some advice on writing as far as uh, her suggestions that you need to always finish. You know, good grief. She wrote seven books before finally publishing one of them. It was her seventh book that got published first. So she's a very strong believer in always finishing. She heaps all kinds of praise on her fans and readers for following her along and always being willing to come along for the ride whenever she swaps genres or does a crossover from one series to another because she's got a five series running right now. And we even take a few minutes and do a, uh, she gives us like an elevator pitch on what all five series are about. So that's what I really enjoy about this episode too, is that if you've never heard of Anne Charles, 
you get a, a fully immersive look into who she is and what she's writing, and one heck of a cliffhanger ending in her sample chapter. Hey, without further ado, let's go ahead and hop on over to our interview with our guest, Anne Charles. Sample Chapter listeners all over the world, thank you so much for tuning back in. This week, we are joined by Anne Charles. Anne is a USA Today best-selling author who writes award-winning mysteries that are splashed with humor, romance, paranormal, and whatever else sounds like fun. And welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to reading some from the new book today. Oh, gosh. I'm so happy you say that. I, I have plenty of other authors who are like, oh, gosh, you're really going to make me do this? <laughs> well, I, I get that, too. I'm not the, the greatest narrator, but I'm going to give her a whirl. <laughs> well, how, how are you doing? And where, where are you located? Uh, I live in Prescott, Arizona, so that's up in the mountains, about a mile high here in Arizona. So we're not quite the desert like uh, so many think when you think that yeah, Arizona. I uh, it's beautiful, We're although we're windy today, so I'm hoping that doesn't cause any problems with what we're doing here. But it's it's nice in the 70s, low 80s, so we're just really getting into summer and enjoying that outdoor time instead of being inside so much. Oh my goodness, yes. And you're doing well? You're, you're, the family's doing well with the, the COVID-19, everything going on? So far, so good. We're fortunately in you know a smaller area population-wise, so it's not as, uh, there's not as many cases here. And I think our county's only seen one person die from what they said was COVID. So fingers crossed, we all stay healthy around here. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my goodness. Well, so... We were talking before the show, you uh, you began your official writing career as far as your first book was written in January of 2011, but prior to that, you were like so many other writers, writing in the, uh, you know, kind of in the closet, trying to make it happen and working. What made you finally break through, do you think? Well, <laughs> real stubborn, hard head, keep hitting it on that wall, you know, enough times, but yeah, I started in the mid to late 90s writing, and then I also, you know, had college I was going through, and I was not a young college. I was the 10-year college plan, you know, mm -hmm. finishing at almost 30, and uh, doing a day job as well. And the the first book I published in 2011 was actually the seventh book that I'd ever written. So I had many books in front of that that were um, either – well, they were either horrible and didn't really, you know, go any further than trying to get to an agent um, or a nice rejection from a publisher, or I rewrote them because I kept working on improving. And so I, well, there's one book that um, I actually published in 2015, no, 2014. And that was one of the earliest books, the second book I'd written, but I redid it four times to get it to the point where I could publish it, you know, where it wasn't just garbage. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it, it was years of living life and continuing to try to write, improve and improve and improve. And then with the Nearly Departed, which is what I published in January 2011, um, that went through, I got an agent, we went through traditional um, publishers, it was almost picked up as in we made it to the final acquisitions meeting and then marketing team rejected it. So... 
there was a lot that went on before and then it won a couple awards and around that time was when I just thought you know what we're just going on our own here because it's just not fitting with the publishers you know with the marketing and what they want so took that leap and went forth you know on my okay. own and you know haven't looked back since really oh my gosh you hit it at just that right time that Right around 2012, when it really hit the boom. Yeah, it was the it was the gold rush days, definitely. <laughs> and I was in some of those early Amazon free runs where you know we had there weren't many free books out there like that. So, so many of my fans that are still here remember coming on back in those early Amazon freebie days. Oh wow! Okay. Well, that, that's awesome. I mean, that was quite the time. I definitely missed out on that. I thought I was doing a totally different career about that time and then finally got turned around a few years later, or in this case, just a couple of years ago, and got back into my writing career. And I'm like, oh, gosh, yes, this is definitely what I wanted to do. Well, well it's it's certainly, I mean, it can be so much fun to escape, you know, and, and, and write the fiction. Then there's the, you know, the editing and the, all the other part that's a little more painful, but uh, it is fun to be able to escape into fiction for a living. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, I was one of those that for the longest time I would have, like I've got a drawer right now full of the uh, first three or four chapters. That, mm -hmm. that, that first inspiration is like, oh, yes, I know how it's going to open. This is what's going to happen. And then after that, I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, <laughs> you know, new idea. I got something else. And then go from there. Right, right, and then start over again. Exactly, exactly. How did you uh, How did you get past that, or did you always have an idea of the entire story? I I did always finish the story. I, I think that's just my personality. I always finish a project, even if it's you know dragging yourself over the finish line and it's horrible. But I did, you know, I do have the very first book I I wrote, and I wrote that by hand on notebook paper, and it's horrible. But I still have it. I mean, I finished it. I still have it. I actually submitted the first uh, couple chapters of that uh, to a publisher. It was uh, that was back when I was trying to write romance, which I'm I'm bad at just romance, unfortunately. Um, and it was a nice rejection, but you know, I finished, and then I just kept I kept trying. Um, and so I have full books that just sit there <laughs> <laughs> because they were, you know, I pushed it all the way through to the end, and then I went, oh, I can't make this thing fly. So what's next? Mm -hmm. But that's that's a great lesson that I mean I've had to learn that myself that. The idea is go ahead and finish because that feeling, whether it gets published or not, that feeling of having written a book is so much better than the dream of I'm going to write one day. Right. I agree. Yeah, that's what with when I do any workshops with authors that are just getting going, or, you know, newer. And I, I always say the first thing you I think you need to do is, is hit the end just to see that you can do it because that middle is pretty daunting. Mm -hmm. uh, so the beginning's exciting and the end can be exciting, but that middle can really drag you down. <laughs> so getting through a whole a whole book is, to me, impressive on its own. Yeah. So now you have uh, – it, it looks like you've got about five series going on right now, and some of them seem to be different genres. I know you write in multiple genres with your mysteries. You, you kind of do it all. Whereas a lot of authors tend to stay in their lane with a specific genre. Do you find it difficult going outside of one genre or another, or does it help you? 
It, I think it actually helps because it keeps me from getting tired of the same series. That's always my fear is that if I become tired of what I'm writing, then it will show on the page and I write humor quite a bit in my story. So if you're flat in the humor department, it's horrible, <laughs> you know? Um, so I have to do what I can to keep it fresh and keep having fun myself as the writer. So switching between all the series, it, it really helps me, you know, keep, keep up the, the humor and all the different excitement that's in there. Um, keep it fresh. Oh yeah. Obviously it's working really well for you. I, I know that's why a lot of authors don't do it is because they feel like they're starting over um, and people are used to their name being associated with a certain type, but this is certainly working well for you. Well, it's the, the fans, the readers um, are really game to, when I try something new, um, most of them are game to come with me and come along for the ride. And one thing that four of the five of the series I currently I'm writing, um, they cr have crossovers. So we have characters going between uh, different series, which is fun for the reader because, you know, you're reading along and then here's this character that's from the other series that you love. And they're over here um, doing their thing and working with this group of characters. And the characters in the different books are all uh, related or neighbors or um, in the Deadwood Undertaker series that I write with my husband, it's the Deadwood Mystery series back in the 1870s. Same setting, same locale, everything, just what happened before. So like a prequel series. So the readers are enjoying the mix and everything, you know, finding the characters mixed into different ones and how everything ties together a little bit. So it's it's more fun. You know, I love the whole, not everybody does, but the whole Marvel world and the way they've really brought all that together. It's so fun. And I've always loved that kind of a tie with a group of stories. So it's kind of what I'm doing with the various series, even though they're different genres somewhat. I mean, they all have humor mm -hmm. um, and, and little bits of some of the similarities. But I always wanted to write a Western. But, boy, that takes a lot of research where that's where my husband, he comes in because he's really good at that. So blending our voices to tell that story, it gives me that opportunity to play in the old West too. Oh gosh. Yeah. I, I'm with you on the, uh, on the mixing the stories together or having characters cross over like that. I love that. It's just, that's, that's in my wheelhouse right there. It's like, Oh yeah. All right, I gotta go find out what that's about now and see what this character right. is doing. <laughs> right. It's so much fun when you, when you do that, when you read that or you watch that or, or even writing that it's so much fun to do. Well, let's uh, for for those listeners out there who are meeting you for the first time right now, give us a little bit of like a elevator pitch on uh, each of the series, so that way people have an idea of of what they're getting into. Okay, we'll start with uh, the Deadwood Mystery series, the main the, the one I have the most of. That it's first person, so stars Violet Parker. Uh, she's a single mom of twins that are fraternal twins, about ten years old. But it's not, you know, it's like that old Raymond sitcom. It's not about the kids. <laughs> she's just struggling to make it in the small town of Deadwood and lead in the northern Black Hills in South Dakota, and um, she's a realtor. So she's trying to. Uh, try this new career, living with her aunt, with her kids, you know, there with her, and and trying to um, make a go of this. Only Deadwood is known in, in the real world. Deadwood, 
uh, the small town of Deadwood is is known for ghosts, hmm. um, among other things like its history. So as a realtor, she goes into houses, there's ghosts, there's all kinds of weird stuff going on. And that's kind of the start of the story. And in that first book, uh, little girls are going missing about nine or 10 year old little blonde girls. There's the third one. I think when we just get started, the third one's gone missing or the fourth and Violet, her daughter is a little blonde girl about the same age. So she is instantly invested in this because she just moved there. What has she done now? Her daughter's there. Is this going to be, you know, now her kid's at risk in her mind. So she wants to try to figure out what's going on and just little clues coming in. So that's kind of the the first one in a nutshell. We're trying to figure out what's happened to those missing little girls. And um, it's the start of the paranormal. There's a lot of humor as we introduce the characters, start of the um, a romantic interest. So it, it kind of has a real mixed bag of things. Um, and that was the struggle I had with getting it traditionally published because it was such a mixed genre and they didn't like that as much then. So anyway, if you like your genres mixed, that's one of the things I do. So that's the Deadwood series. Uh, and it's a paranormal series as well as mystery and humor. Um, so there's, it, it just grows. It's not instantly in your face, you know, paranormal beings. It just keeps growing as the series grows. So that is the Deadwood humorous mystery series then there's the undertaker the deadwood undertaker series and like i said it's the same place same setting only in the 1870s back when deadwood was really becoming it was a mining town and everything was booming their gold rush so you learn what happened in the past that has caused some of the ripples that violet parker is dealing with in the present um, with the paranormal world so that's a western paranormal um, humor mix that i write with my husband sam lucky so we have that. And then there's the Jackrabbit Junction series, which is almost as old as the Deadwood series. Um, that takes place in a fictional town called Jackrabbit Junction in southeast Arizona. And the heroine and her sisters are actually were neighbors of Violet Parker, who's in the main series or the Deadwood series. So they all know each other. And there's characters that go back and forth. And that is more of a mystery slash uh, suspense adventure uh, I often read Treasure Island before I start writing a new book in that series because mm -hmm. that treasure hunting feel is in there and uh, some romantic suspense, lots of humor again. And it's just the, the three Morgan sisters. And it starts with the first each the three books, first three books, you get you meet each sister mixed in to the group as each one comes in. And then from there on, it's the three of them together and they are a rowdy bunch of ladies in their 30s so they're not young girls um, but the Morgan sisters are known to fight first and ask questions later so that's kind of a fun crazy uh, RV park is where a lot of it is set down there in southeast Arizona so then I have the dig site series which is archaeology which I always wanted to be an archaeologist so this is my chance so it's it's mystery archaeology adventure uh, you know, that Indiana Jones feel mm -hmm. I love, um, a little bit of paranormal as well, and some romance and humor again. So, but we're down in Mexico in the Yucatan at different dig sites, uh, Maya dig sites, but I create them. They're not like Chichen Itza and the ones we know. I create this dig site at the start of each one, um, and I put the map and I build a whole dig site. Oh, it's one of the little things I love to do, fun stuff. <laughs> so that's the dig site series. And the hero in that series is Violet Parker from the Deadwood series, his brother, 
So siblings there. So that kind of is how that one ties in. And then the fifth series I have are novellas. It's the AC Silly Circus Company series. Um, freak show. It's the shapeshifters, uh, the freaks of the shapeshifter world at the circus for the freak show. So you kind of get the idea there. And that was written initially to fit in a Kindle World series. But then uh, Kindle World shut down, so got the rights back. So then I wrote the second in the series, a bunch of monkey malarkey. <laughs> and I, I intend to someday you know, continue writing those novellas, but that's um, not as high on my list as the big novels with the main series. And that's it. That's all five. And I have another one I want to write, but where do I fit that in? <laughs> so, oh my gosh, so, that, that's it. That's just uh, what is this? It's almost twenty-nine books. I mean, that's all you got. Oh my god! I know. Come on, hurry up, get going, stop wow. messing around. Oh my goodness! Oh my gosh! So coming up on your twenty-ninth book with five series, and you're looking at another one. Where where do all these characters come from? I don't know. I think I was a really lonely child. <laughs> I had Fisher Price people and Weebles and all that good oh, stuff. So, oh, you're talking my language now. So I think I just made up a bunch of characters way back then, and I'm pulling them back in now. <laughs> I do have uh, I have a world keeper. She helps me keep track of uh, the different series, and she keeps count of my characters. And I think. We're, we're over 550 now, I believe, oh, in all the different series. Now, some of them don't have names. They're just, you know, waiter at such and such restaurant. But others, you know, do have names and are a little more two-dimensional. And then there's the three-dimensional ones that you f fill out more. Wow. That's got to be quite the spreadsheet if you open that mm -hmm. up. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, it's it's pretty deep. There's lot, lots of stuff in there. Oh, my goodness. Well, so... Your latest book, book 11 in the Deadwood series, uh, Devil Days in Deadwood, comes right. out. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, we're just a couple of days away, so it's uh, it's available for pre-order now? Yes, it's available on for, as ebook. Uh, the print book won't be out until June, and that a lot of that comes to do with Amazon. You know, they're delaying right now with sure. non-essentials, so we've, we're getting the ebook out May 29th. And then the rest will fall in from there. And and most everything I have is on audio as well, except the Undertaker series. And of course, the new book is not on audio yet. But I am audio, print, and ebook for most everything. Okay. Do you do you do the uh, audio for your books? No way. <laughs> so this is an exclusive. <laughs> yes, I don't very. I only will sometimes when I have a book signing or I have fan parties every year at Deadwood, and I'll let somebody pick out a chunk. Uh, usually, what I'm the newer stuff I'm writing that someone who's a first draft reader for me will pick out a section for me to read to them, and that's about all the reading I typically do for everybody because. I, I can read. It's just I'm not great at voices like a lot of these wonderful narrators are. Oh, they're incredible. I mean, that was the idea behind this show was I, I don't see it that much anymore when uh, the authors will go to a bookstore. Obviously not right now, but when they would go to the bookstores or libraries and do a, a reading for a while and then answer questions and stuff like that. And I thought, man, I don't see that anymore. So that was the inception of this show. But uh, so this is this is cool to get to hear you read it uh, for us on here. And of course, everybody can go back and pull it up anytime going forward in our back. Yeah, that's right. And then they can say, Gosh, she read that, that part so badly. What was she doing? <laughs> was she drinking during that reading or something? I don't know. Oh, I won't, I won't tell anybody. I I'm probably right here drinking with you. So, <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, uh, what, I mean, this is the 11th book in the series. Is there anything you can tell us about this without spoiling anything? It is, uh, you know, some books uh, take two weeks of story time to get through or a little more for me. This is one of those rare books where it happens in three days story time. It's just boom, 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 um, busy out of the gate. So from the beta crew that have read it that have gotten back to me, the most common answer or response is just wow. So I think that's a good wow. I hope and it's not like, oh, wow. <laughs> but it's it's action packed and lots of fun stuff going on. And we're busy. And for those who have been reading along in this series know what how how far Violet has come now with what she can do. She's not just a realtor anymore. I mean, she still sells real estate, but still it's it's really her starting to shine in what she's really good at and what she's meant to be. So uh, it's I'm excited for everybody uh, to read it and and cheer for her and, and go through this with us as we as the whole, you know, Story keeps going, series keeps going, and all that good stuff. Oh my gosh, I can't wait! This is this is exciting, and, and I'm so happy to uh, have had this chance to get to talk to you just for a little bit and uh, hear about all these incredible books. You're you're doing wonderful, and I'm so happy to see it. So thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me on. This is this is fun. I hope <laughs> I get to read yet. I shouldn't say that yet, right? <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's going to be great. Hey, where can uh, where can people find and follow you online? Okay, so I have a website www.anncharles.com. I also uh, I'm on Facebook. I have a, you know an author page where you can friend me, and then also just the plain old Facebook author page that they want you to boost everything on. So I'm in two locations. You can. Find me on both. I'm on Instagram, um, Twitter. I'm on Snapchat, but I'm really the only thing I'm good at with Snapchat is taking funny pictures with those filters, you know, <laughs> sharing them everywhere. Instead of, my brother's a FedEx driver, and I like to take the really icky ones, like me as a man, and send it to him while he's on the road working, just so I can <laughs> make him laugh during his day. Um, and I'm also I have a YouTube video page where I have um, I've been doing during this downtime uh, weekly kind of behind the scenes with Anne for each of the books. We've got the Deadwood books mostly done now. So you can find my YouTube station. And if you want to read a book, I recommend you read it before you listen, because I'm going to ruin. I'm going to give you away some secrets. But uh, you can find me there as well if you want to put me on like my mom puts me on and then takes a nap. So. Hopefully I'm not that boring for everybody else. <laughs> oh, like, that's great. She's like, I fell asleep to it midway through. I'm, I, I'm like, you're not making me feel confident about this at all. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, we've got uh, we've got our YouTube channel as well where the uh, the book cover will be up there while oh, you're great. while you're doing the reading. So I'll make sure to put links, of course, for all of this on there. But uh, yeah, we'll grab we'll find your YouTube channel, and put that on there as well. So great. Thank hey. you so much, Ann. I really appreciate you doing this. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to sit back and have my cigar, maybe a drink, and check out our guest today, Ann Charles with Devil Days in Deadwood. Uh, I am jealous of you. I'm going to do that when I finish them. <laughs>
Okay, so this is chapter one from chapter one, right out of the gate with Devil Days and Deadwood. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter uh, just because that's a long, a, a lot of reading for you guys to listen to. Uh, but I am going to read and I'll stop partway through it and hopefully it whets your appetite and makes you curious if you haven't read any of the Deadwood mystery series, I do recommend you start back um, at Nearly Departed in Deadwood, the first one, and work your way up to it, just because it'll fill in the background a little bit more, and you'll know the characters really well by the time you get to here. But you could pick up this book. I do try to write them so that if you start at book 11, you'll kind of have an idea who everybody is. So that being said, I will get started here at chapter one. And like I said, I'm not a narrator, so... Please be, be kind as you listen. <laughs> All right, chapter one, Friday, January 11th, Leeds, South Dakota. What dumbass thought catching a Hungarian devil made of smoke and shadow was a good idea? I scowled up at the crumbling brick sugar loaf building, which had been perched on a hillside looking across at the homestake mine in Leeds for a century, and then some. The sun was hiding behind a thick bank of clouds, making mid-afternoon feel more like early evening. Old Man Winter hit the Black Hills with a frying pan every year, knocking it ass over tea kettle into short days and frigid temperatures. The other old man in my life, Willis the Mongoose, Harvey, grabbed my elbow. If memory serves me right, Sparky, that'd be you. He tugged me toward the rickety metal steps leading up to the building's second floor. That was supposed to be a rhetorical question. I paused with my foot on the first step, which had a dusting of snow in the corners in spite of the rusty corrugated tin roof overhead. Did I really want to go up there after the shitstorms that had gone down the last two times I'd been here? Not to mention what might be waiting for us up in those haunted rooms. My grandpappy had a saying about stupid questions, Harvey said, butting into my moment of indecision. It wasn't stupid, I said, unlike the deal I'd made a month ago with the Hungarian devil's keeper. Never miss a good chance to shut up. He nudged me up the steps in front of him. Now giddy up before my twig and berries freeze solid and break clean off. It's cold as a witch's tit out here. I stopped midway up, adjusting my purse strap on my shoulder. Why is a witch's tit supposed to be so cold? I mean, witches are human. At least I always thought they were. And in my experience, breasts are rarely ever that cold. Harvey cocked one bushy eyebrow. How many breasts have you handled in your 35 years? Well, I pondered that for a second. Two, mine. He pshawed. I fondled way more than that in my time. Yeah, but have you touched them daily like I have? His grin split wide, showing his two gold teeth above his silver-streaked beard. No, but I could start a daily routine along with you if your stallion doesn't mind. Parker! Deadwood's favorite surly detective barked at me from the top of the steps. Detective Cooper's face was rigid. His blonde hair stuck up in tufts, looking like pointy glass shards lining a concrete wall. Would you two fruitcakes stop gabbing about your nail polish and get your asses up here? Some of us have actual work to do today. Calm down, Detective Pissy Pants, I growled under my breath, stomping up the stairs. Aren't you supposed to be relaxed after your trip to Arizona? Cooper's gray eyes narrowed as I joined him on the small landing at the top of the steps. He shot his uncle a hard glance before asking, Why do you ask that? Because you took a much-needed vacation to the Sunshine State over New Year's. Arizona isn't the Sunshine State, Sparky, Harvey squeezed in behind me. That's Florida. I know that. I'm just saying Arizona gets a lot of sun. What's your point? 
Cooper prodded, literally, with his pointer finger jabbing my shoulder. Ouch! I complained, leaning back into Harvey. Never mind, you big bully. I looked at the door to the second floor of the old building, the lock and chain put in place by the captain of the fire department months ago to keep curious troublemakers from sneaking inside, now hung loose, the metal quaking in the frigid breeze along with Harvey and me. Cooper had stayed true to his agreement to help me take another peek inside the building that had imprisoned the Liedert, a.k.a. the elusive Hungarian devil I had to find if I wanted to keep my Aunt Zoe free from a life of harem-type servitude. Harvey grunted as another blast of wind rattled our bones. It's as cold as a cast-iron commode out here. Let's get out of the wind. Cooper pushed the door open, hesitating on the threshold. Parker, is there anything I should know before I step inside? Uh, I sent a pair of raised eyebrows in Harvey's direction, trying to think of something fitting for the moment. A phrase I'd heard long ago popped into my head. Oh, I know. Never give the devil a ride. He'll always want the reins. And never drop your gun to hug a grizzly, Harvey added, playing along. Cooper cursed at both of us, and not very nice either. Kiss your mother with that mouth, I asked, scowling back at him. He's been kissing someone, that's for sure, Harvey mumbled. The pointed glare Cooper shot at his uncle would have left holes in a thinner-skinned target. But Harvey's hide was so thick that dirty looks, cutting insults, and sharp-toothed remarks bounced off of him. I, on the other hand liked my head stuck smack dab in the middle of my shoulders and not bitten off. So I ignored Harvey's intriguing comment about Cooper playing K-I-S-S-I-N-G. For now, Cooper turned back to me. I meant anything I should know regarding this place and the wacky shit you and Nice weighed hip deep in when you're not doing all that lovey-dovey crap together. I lifted my chin. Doc and I aren't doing lovey-dovey crap, thank you very much. We're building a long-term relationship based on trust, respect, and communication. Boy, howdy, that sounded as stupid out loud as it had in my head when I'd read it in a women's magazine while waiting at the dentist office the other morning. The truth about our relationship was much more raw and messy, involving a lot of blood, sweat, and tequila. Don't forget about the hot sex, Harvey added. And that, too, I confirmed, even though discussing my romantic life in front of the bristly detective and the old buzzard made my cheeks warm. Jesus, Parker, can we not talk about your sex life for five whole minutes? Hey, you and your uncle brought it up, not me, Harvey snickered. Coop's just jealous. When's the last time you dipped your stinger in the honey, boy? Cooper's cheeks darkened. Without another word, the detective stepped inside the building. What was that about? I asked Harvey. He shrugged. You'll have to prod Coop for the answers. He swears he'll shoot me if I get to suffering from jawbone diarrhea. We followed Cooper inside the building, pulling the door closed behind us. The dark clouds outside made for an interior laden with ominous shadows. Our breath steamed around our heads. The wind whistled through the large windows, their wooden frames dry-rotted long ago. I quivered, my nerves jittery about returning to the place where I'd battled not one, but two troublemakers before. Nothing much had changed from the last time I stood inside the large open room. A layer of dust still covered the old floorboards. The smattering of footprints were most likely leftovers from the last time I'd crept around up here in the dark. The air smelled stale, in spite of the cold. Cooper stood across the room, shining his flashlight down what I knew was a narrow hallway leading to four rooms, two bedrooms, a bathroom, and a kitchen. This ward looks newer than the others, Harvey said, aiming his flashlight at the square that was painted next to the door. I stepped closer to the collection of symbols used to ward off trouble, or in this case, seal it in. Harvey was right. Someone had slapped white paint over the old version. Next to the patch of white paint, a fresh ward had been drawn on the wall in something dark red and thick. I touched the edge of the ward. It was sticky, like blood mixed with something thicker. Maybe tar? 
Cringing, I wiped my finger on the wall next to it, leaving a smeared fingerprint. Inside the ward's square edges was a combination of what looked like rune symbols, along with a rough sketch of an eye, two triangles, and a twined forks. At least that was my take on the ward. Aunt Zoe would probably be able to dissect the ward using Latin words for each part, but I only took two years of Spanish in high school and cheated on my final exams by writing verb conjugation charts on my arm. So I was useless. I pulled out my cell phone and snapped a picture of it quick in case Doc wanted to take a look at it later. Pocketing my phone, I glanced around. There were similar wards painted onto the walls next to every window, which I assumed were meant to keep a Hungarian devil trapped inside the building indefinitely. Unfortunately, a few months ago, a pissed-off bitch with a penchant for carving humans into pieces had figured out how to breach one of the wards and free the leader that had been held prisoner here for decades. Now it was my job to find that dodgy devil and bring it back here. I wonder if Masterson did this, I said to myself, as much as Harvey. Dominic Masterson owned the building, more than a century old. He was also the one with whom I'd made the dumb deal that had me trying to catch a leader on this frigid winter day so I could keep my aunt from ending up as Dominic's concubine. I took a step back from the wall, my heel coming down on someone's toe. Damn it, Parker! I jumped sideways. That's what you get for sneaking up on me, Coop. That's Detective Cooper to you and you know it. What about Christmas? Cooper's gift to me had been permitting me to call him by the nickname everyone else on the planet was allowed to use. Christmas is over. You and I are back to square one. I harumphed. We haven't been at square one since I broke your nose. His lips thin. Let's get this damn sightseeing trip you had to take done so I can get back to the pile of paperwork sitting on my desk. He limped toward the hallway. I frowned after him. You're the one who ran off to Arizona on a whim, so quit taking your post-vacation blues out on me. Harvey eased up next to me as Cooper disappeared down the hallway. You're stirring up hell with a long spoon this afternoon, girl. He started it. I shrugged off my purse strap, letting my bag dangle and swing in my grip. It takes two to dance. What has me scratching my noggin is why he's on the prowl in the first place. I think something happened while he was in Arizona. I turned to Harvey. Or something didn't. And now he's doubly frustrated and using me as his punching bag. Cooper had pursued my best friend Natalie all the way to Jackrabbit Junction, Arizona, after Christmas, taking his uncle along with him. While neither Natalie nor Harvey were talking much about what happened down there in the desert, I had a feeling sparks flew somewhere along the line. And, based on Cooper's repeated snarls and growls since he'd returned, I had a feeling those sparks weren't in the bedroom. But because neither Harvey nor Natalie were feeling chatty about it since they'd returned a couple of days ago, I was stuck trying to pin the tail on a steely-eyed donkey that kept kicking and nipping at me in the process. I watched for Harvey's reaction to my theory about his nephew, but the old codger could bluff the devil even on a hot day in hell. You forgot a certain something, he said. What do you mean? He smirked. Coop isn't the only deadwood gumshoe back on the prowl. Detective Hawk is out sniffing around now, too. I grimaced at the mere mention of Cooper's pain-in-the-butt temporary helper in crime-solving. Detective Hawk and I had a rosy relationship. I was a beautiful flower, and he was a thorny prick. His list of crimes that I'd supposedly committed in the Black Hills was longer than Santa's naughty list these days. Every time I ran into the jerk, he tried to hit me with another accusation. But I was rubber, and he was, well, an idiot. Oh, yeah. You think Hawk has given your nephew a hard time again? Is a frog's ass watertight? Cooper stepped back into the main room. Are you two coming back here to take a look around, or are you waiting for the Queen's Herald to blow a damned horn first? Keep your bloomers on, Coop. We're coming. We followed Cooper down the hallway, peeking in rooms along the way. 
One had a broken iron bed frame spotted with rust. In another larger room, there was a wooden chair, the same chair that I'd sat in last time we were here while making contact with the building's namesake, Otto Sugarloaf. Farther down, the bathroom with the old chaining pull-style toilet looked the same as the last time I checked in it. The archaic cast iron stove in the kitchen reminded me of one in the historic Adams House in Deadwood. But unlike that museum, there was no cookie jar sitting nearby full of leftover goodies from days gone by. Only an ancient sink big enough to fit a family of raccoons, which it might have in the past, judging from the pile of dried critter turds in it. Are you picking up any ghosts? I asked Cooper, who had the unfortunate ability to see the wispy folks now thanks to a tiny accident involving me, a pissed-off dead woman, and an innocent bystander who got in our way. Him. Although Cooper wasn't 100% innocent of anything, in my opinion. Nope. Hmm. Last time we were here, Otto had shown up to the party along with a girl he killed back at his homeland when he tried to extricate the leader from her. Cooper led the way out of the kitchen, checking his watch as we reached the front room. Are we done, Parker? I guess so, I said, walking over to one of the windows. While we were in the back of the building, the clouds had split enough to let the sun peek through. Across the valley, the old Yates shaft head frame reflected the sun's rays, looking like a lighthouse standing tall among the dark sea of hills. Aunt Zoe said that we should line the windowsills with salt to be safe. I unzipped my purse and pulled out the little bag of salt she'd given me. My aunt was the keeper of the family's long history of secrets, which turned out was numerous enough to fill four leather-bound volumes. She also was my magistra, or teacher, when it came to the business of killing pests like Hungarian devils. Although, according to our family history book, slaying these assholes was a feat no previous executioner had pulled off successfully so far. Cooper waited while Harvey and I lined the sills. I was sprinkling salt along the last one when three loud thumps came from the other end of the shadowed hallway. I looked at Cooper, who stood near the hallway. Did you hear that? He wrinkled his brow. Hear what? That thumping sound. Thump, thump. There it is again. Cooper's eyes narrowed. Are you fucking with me, Parker? Sparky's telling the truth. Harvey moved up next to his nephew. I'm hearing it, too. I sprinkled the last of the salt, grabbed my purse from the floor, and joined them. Shine your, shine your flashlight down there, Cooper. He did, but nothing was there. I'm going back there, I told them. Give me the flashlight. You two wait here. And that was Anne Charles reading a sample chapter from her new book, Devil Days in Deadwood. Hey, the book comes out in just a couple of days. You can pre-order it right now by clicking the link in the show notes. And uh, don't forget to follow her as well on all the links that are provided there for her. Uh, don't forget to also click on the links for our friends and sponsors alike. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out next time when I come back with a new author, a new book, and a brand new sample chapter. Take care, everybody. We're going to see you again real, real soon. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.